ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast from the World of Football Index. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. We're here to report another exciting match day. Joining me as always, we have Chris Williams. Chris, how are you? Bryce, good evening and very good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Still looking forward to our trip in a few weeks. Yeah, so, can't uh, wait for that. Hopefully it'll be a little bit uh, more goaltastic than what we've seen this weekend. Yes, let's hope so. Eh? Um, also joining uh, Chris and myself, as always, is uh, Manu Vett. Manu, how's your weekend been? Yeah, you know, the red side of Munich is celebrating, so it's going all right, I guess. <laughs> You sound very enthusiastic. Oh, what can something? I say? You know, like, it's like three match days left and see those guys running around in their fake Weissbier and uh, the red hoodies and what does it say? There's some stupid hand holding up five fingers. It's just a little silly, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you don't sound jealous at all. But obviously, no. that's what we're going to start talking about uh, today. The big news is that, well, RB Leipzig um, only managed a nil-nil draw um, at home to Ingolstadt, meaning that the late kickoff on Saturday was uh, Wolfsburg taking on Bayern Munich. Bayern, well, truly dealt with them uh, with six goals, it would turn out, making that their fifth Bundesliga title in a row. Manu, what, what can we say about this? I mean, uh, Bayern's uh, dominance um, has continued, uh, hasn't it, this year? Yeah, it has. And um, it's. I think it's a it's a deserved title. They had to maybe, had it a maybe bit easier than they had last year. But in the end of the day, they were the most consistent team in the league. And when you look at their record, um, 22 wins, 7 ties, 2 losses, um, 73 points after 31 games. Not quite as high as, as last year, um, where they were really chased by Borussia Dortmund. Remember, Borussia Dortmund, um, I think was the best second place team in European football last season. So, you know, it wasn't quite, quite a chase as it was, um, last year. And that was, that has many reasons. Uh, the fact that Leipzig, a newly promoted team, just didn't have the stamina to go over 34 games yet. And, um, Hoffenheim have to remember they, where a team that fought against relegation last season until the very end. Amazing turnaround, you know, under a very young coach and to finish in the top four, which is now secured for them. They are now going to finish in the top four. So huge congrats over to them as well. But they just don't have that stability yet to, to challenge Bayern as well. And we've talked many, many times about Borussia Dortmund and all the challenges that, that they faced. The fact that Dortmund pretty much have secured a top four finish. I mean, it's mathematically still possible that Hertha can catch them, but uh, given that they are nine points ahead, oh no, sorry, it's actually 11 points. So, you know, they've actually secured the, the top spot as well. So pretty much wrapped it up. Uh, but, you know, with a very young Borussia Dortmund side, it was, it was clear, I think, for many that they wouldn't be able to chase Bayern over a full season. And um, given all of that, it wasn't an amazing season like we've seen from Bayern in the last few years, but because the teams that usually chase them all were in transition or new, they were able to wrap this up maybe a bit too soon, in my opinion, but, you know, well-deserved nonetheless. And Chris, obviously you're, uh, well, you favor the uh, yellow and black side of uh, Germany uh, and their football. But, you know, if you take a bias away, I mean, how, how do you rate this uh, Bayern Munich side? Well, they've won the league. You don't win the league by fluke or by chance. Obviously, it's done over um, a number of games, 34. They've won it after 31. So congratulations to them. 
earlier on in the season, they were a little iffy, weren't they? They looked like they didn't really have an identity, but after the Christmas break, they've been phenomenal. Not only did they find an identity, they found a way of playing, and then also they were a lot better at the back. And There was a few uh, shock results along the way, but it's been a bit of a coast for them, really, hasn't it? Leipzig, as, as Manu said, have tailed off a little bit, but they're a very young side, and once you see that maybe you're not going to win the league and you've also secured your European place, you're just playing out time to the end of the season. And they look aside that are doing that now. And I can't see them not finishing second place. Um, but it'll be interesting, the big matchup to see, you know, if they can get their own back from uh, when they were turned over just uh, after Christmas or just before Christmas, when they were turned over 3 0, weren't they? And they, there's a sending off as well, which didn't help at Forsberg. So it'll be really interesting for us to be in that stadium to see how they respond to that and also how they respond to um, welcoming the champions to, into town and see how, see if they can maybe get one up and one over them. But Bayern have, have done it with a breeze. Uh, I was lucky enough to be in Munich the other night for the Pokal semi final and I thought they were poor. I thought they were very poor, to be honest, Bayern. They should have killed the game off. Uh, Lewandowski's clear through on the edge of half time to make it 3-1. I don't think they're coming back from that. Robin hits the post. Excellent block by Bender, but they didn't really push on from that. And Dortmund quite deservedly went and turned them over. So there are elements to the game that can be undone if you're looking to get on top of Bayern Munich. It's just, you know, they need... Um, 17 of the teams to be doing that to them week in, week out. And unfortunately, I think outside of four or five challenging them, they don't have that. Uh, they don't have that sort of high intensity to play against. Although we saw them against Hertha um, Berlin where they were taken all away. It just seems to be sometimes a book of the trend rather than the trend. And I'm hoping next season, the likes of Werder Bremen, Gladbach, Schalke, um, Leverkusen, um, Frankfurt are able to just push on a little bit more and maybe challenge them a little bit more. Yeah, before we uh, look into that and what exactly could could be done to uh, benefit the league and make it a bit more uh, competitive, we'll just uh, talk about uh, Philip Lamb. This is obviously um, his last season. Um, he's he's been you know ever present for them the last few years, and yeah, this is its title. I mean, Manu, how big a loss is he going to be for Bayern? Who's possibly going to replace him, or how can you replace him? I don't think you can replace Philip Lahm. We've spoken about this before, haven't we, when he first announced that he would retire. But I said then, and I still believe in that today, that if he had been an attacking midfielder or forward with the amount of talent that he had, and uh, let's say he would have scored 20 to 30 goals, he, we would call him the best player in the world. And in his position, or the three positions that he's played um, on a consistent level, he was probably the best right back. He was the best left back. And when he played the, you know, on the number six, he was probably the best player in the world on that position as well. On, on his level, he's second to none. I think Mehmet Scholl said it very well when he, when he talked to Philip Lahm after the DFB Pokal semi-final, sort of gave him a little bit heads up message after they were defeated by Borussia Dortmund. And he said to Philip Lahm, 75% of the time, you were very good. And the other 25% of the time, you were just world class. I think that sums it up very well. He, it's, I think I can count maybe on one hand the bad games that he had over his very long career. And to find that kind of consistency on that level is second to none. And I think when you've seen him, and I've seen him play on during the last week when he played against Real Madrid, he was one of the three best players on the field at the age of 33. Some people say that, you know, Marcelo, um, they rate him pretty high. 
I think Marcelo is not even close to what Philip Lahm is. What might have happened to Marcelo at the World Cup final 2014 would have never, ever happened to Philip Lahm because the consistency level would have never been that low. And I think that is really something that stands out. But the things that he can do with the ball, the vision that he has to the ball, that low center of gravity, that the ability to play the ball up and down the field, the ability to make everyone better on a position that is not designed to make everyone around you better is incredible. And then, of course, there's all the off-field stuff that he has done, um, you know, work with charities, etc. And that he has been a very good spokesperson for this club. You don't really know how big of a loss a player is until he's gone. And I think Bayern have not really quite fathomed yet how big of a loss he's going to be. And I think, Chris, when you look around the world, when you look at players on his positions, there is no one you could bring in to replace him. No, there isn't. And not that's going to hit that level straight away. I mean, they've been rumoured to be looking at all sorts of people, aren't they? From the likes of um, Benjamin Henricks to, um, I mean, can Sebastian Rudy play there? Although he's a defensive midfielder, he can be utilised um, in a right-back area if he needed to be. Um, Kimmich uh, is the obvious replacement for him, but yeah, he, he's still only young, isn't he? Maybe he's a little bit more in time, maybe one for a couple of seasons more. And I read not too long ago that um, Bayern were interested in Hector Bellerin, who's um, on a long-term contract at Arsenal. But if Bayern Munich come knocking, especially after they put 10 goals past them over two legs, you would tend to go there, wouldn't you? They've also seen them linked with the likes of Mariano from um, Sevilla and also uh, Nelson Semedo from Benfica. So there's lots. There's lots of players who they've been linked with, but nobody is going to come in and just put on Philip Lahm's number and do the things that Philip Lahm did. That's going to take a long time. And he's one of those irreplaceable players. I think you look at the likes of who else could you get? He reminds me not of his playing style, but of his stature. He's someone like Stefan Effenberg. It's just someone who is there who can't be replaced. It's a, a, a personality, uh, someone in the dressing room, uh, just the all-round gameplay and what you bring onto the pitch and off the pitch. It's going to be a massive void for them to fill. Yeah, it'll be interesting just to see how they manage to uh, cover that and who they actually uh, bring in. Uh, I mean, just um, going back to... Um, to Bayern, uh, there's media have been uh, calling it all sorts of said stuff like uh, Tross Press, isn't that right, Manu? Is that pronounced correctly? It's consolation prize, the league. But why is why is this being said? Is it because they would have hoped that they would have went on and won the Champions League, or or, or why is that? The triple, right? All three titles: the Pokal, the Champions League, and the Championship. And you have to remember the the Pokal has a very high standing in German football. The final in Berlin is uncomparable to any cup final around Europe. It, it even overshadows the FA Cup. It's a very, very big night in German football. And the Pokal is a very important trophy in German football. And to not win the Pokal is, I think, for Bayern hurts, hurts badly. And the Champions League is another one. I think many, us including, thought that this would be their year. You know, the fact that they are losing players, Alonso and Lam is only going to be the first wave, right? Because they're going to lose many other players in short order because of just the, the age structure of the side. And I think they kind of know that there's in the, in, in the US and in Canada, we talk about window of opportunity in sports. You know, a team has a window to win a certain trophy. Bayern's window to win the Champions League is closing. And it's closing very quickly because of the age of the players. And I think they're going to really struggle next year, not just in the Champions League, but generally because 
when you lose a player like Philip Lam and Sabi Alonso as well, we have to remember he's gone too. That's a massive cornerstone. You see that them leaving and then them only winning this title and what one title, right? The championship. And they didn't do it in the most convincing fashions. And there's a lot of argument to be made that this year was their year, but probably also their weakest year in the league in many years because the other teams in the league were even weaker. If Dortmund had been in the same constitution that they were last year, Dortmund would have probably run away with this title. They didn't. I mean, this is, this is after the fact, right? But I think there is a sense around this. And, um, there's also a sense that this one title, looking back for this generation that they have now is maybe not enough. And remember, they won the Champions League in 2013. And many people believed then that this would be, you know, the dawn of a new era, that Bayern could do the same than Barcelona did. And they should have when you consider the amount of players and the type of players they had and the dominance that they had, not over the, just the Bundesliga, but also over Champions League football. But there was always a break Either in the, in the sem, most of the time it was in the semi-final against a Spanish club. And I think that's, that's why they're calling this title just a toast prize. So a consolation prize, because it really isn't enough given what the expectations were, not just this year, but over the last few years. And Chris, uh, I mean, if we look at Bayern next year and their competition for the league, I mean, you'd imagine that, yeah. Dortmund should be stronger. Bayern are possibly going to be weakened. Do you see the title then going somewhere else? It's a hard question to answer, Bryce. You would expect it would, um, but Bayern are Bayern, aren't they? I'll be interested to see what Hoffenheim can do last year. Uh, sorry, next season. Be very interested to see what they can do next season because they've had almost a building year where they've drawn a lot of matches, but they they will either finish in third or fourth. Um, I can't see them finishing second. They will either finish third or fourth, um, and that's a really good platform for them to kick on and maybe push up to second or can they challenge first Leipzig are probably the biggest threat to Bayern Munich I would say personally because of the backing that they've got and also their ethos around youth players and bringing in the very best youth and allowing that to develop fully we've seen the likes of Forsberg and Keita and um, it's just throughout the whole ranks from front to back they take in players and develop them so they will be one to watch. And Dortmund, we've said it all uh, throughout this pod has been going that they are a very, very young side. And this season has been full of ups and downs for them. But they are just hoovering up experience in all competitions, Pokal in the Bundesliga and also in the European. They, you know, they're hoovering all that experience up. And next season, they will progress slightly. So I can see them maybe looking at second next year. But Who's going to be first? It's, it's going to be difficult for Bayern, especially with losing Lam and Alonso. Don't forget that um, Robin and Ribery are in there, will, will be in their mid-30s. Can they see out a whole season? And you take those four players out, all of a sudden, you've still got Muller and Lewandowski, but they're pushing on the top end of their you know, 28s now. And Neuer, obviously world-class, but then it's... I wouldn't say average, but it's not the sort of Bayern Munich strength in depth that you would expect. There's a lot of players there who haven't lived up to their billing. Either they haven't had enough playing time or when they've taken it, uh, sorry, when they've been given the opportunity to play, they haven't taken it. So you've obviously got Rudy and Sula coming in, which will really shore up the areas where they're light on at the moment. But they've got a lot of central midfielders within their squad. And take out Vidal and Thiago, I don't know if the rest have really settled properly so the central midfield area will be a key one for them next year you look at defensive midfielders they've got Xavi Alonso 
take him out really and the other guys are playing um, secondary positions in that area so that defensive midfield center midfield area could be key next year that whole box area within the midfield could be exploited especially by teams that are quick on a transition like Leipzig and Dortmund it, it could be really challenging for Bayern not just domestically and nationally but also on the European stage I'm shocked that we aren't going to be looking at a Bayern Munich in, in Cardiff but I think that was more of the refereeing decision and we have to bear that in mind that um, I don't use the word very often but I think Bayern Munich were cheated out of a European um, cup final semi semi-final place um, and potentially final place from that and it's going to be difficult for them to get back to that level as Manu said I would have thought they would have gone all the way this year I think if they would have met anybody else bar uh, Real Madrid in the quarterfinal they would have got through on their own merits on their own playing style rather than you know getting knocked out by a referee if we move to Leipzig, I mean, obviously they drew over the weekend, um, handing the title as such to uh, Bayern. I mean, they were a little bit inconsistent um, ever since they lost uh, to Bayern just before Christmas. Chris, you kind of mentioned that, you know, you, you can see um, Leipzig being a bit more of a force next year. They've got a lot of young players, uh, but do you see them investing heavily in the summer as well now that they've got the Champions League to attend to as well? We haven't heard many rumours, have we? This is a sort of time when rumours come afoot and I haven't really heard who Leipzig have been linked with, whether they look to turn to their normal outlets, which obviously are their, are their linked clubs from the um, Red Bull network. Uh, if they look to do that again, I would suspect they would have to strengthen maybe with a little bit of experience, especially if they're going to look at fighting on all four fronts. Um, so yeah, it's going to be, um, it's going to be difficult for them in the champions league. But if we look at, uh, if we look at Leicester city who get compared to them all the time, uh, Leicester city didn't really have the, what you'd say the strongest of squads and they got through to the quarterfinal and, and got through very well. And if Leipzig were to reach the quarterfinal stage in their first um, outing in the champions league, that would be, an ultimate success, I would believe. They're, they will be building upon that. Can they get to their quarterfinal one year, semi-final next? Can they win it the year after that? That's the way that the forward thinking, the way they are. And that's the, you know, they're not daft enough or naive enough to think that they could go in and win it straight off. But they will go and give it a damn good challenge. I know that. I can tense that by the way they play. But then it's how do they cope with playing the two games a week that they're unused to playing at the moment? And we saw over that English week, didn't we? That they struggled a little bit and struggled after it. So it's a lot of games in a short space of time for them. And that's why I think they may need a little bit more worldly experience to back up the youth ranks that are within there. Emmanuel, what about you? Do you feel that Leipzig are going to have to invest in, in players for either experience or depth of squad? Or maybe there's a certain position that you think that they're weak in? Yeah, it's, I think Chris hits it on the head. Um, the fact that we all know how physically straining their play is, right? That gegenpressing, that constant running takes out a lot of physical strain out of um, these players because they have to constantly switch transition play. And um, when you when you read the statistics, I think Leipzig always outruns their opposition. And to do that once a week is one thing. But do it twice a week and you add an, a completely different dimension to it, right? Which means you will have a little bit, you will need a little bit more depth uh, in the squad. It's going to be interesting who they're going to bring in because, of course, they brought in Yvonne Mvogo, keeper from Young Boys Bern, um, who's going to be, in my opinion, an upgrade over Kulaski. I don't say that lightly. I just think he's he's a better keeper and he's a better keeper for the style that 
Leipzig want to play and need to play. But then you also have to remember that, you know, we have to be careful saying these kind of things because of officially they're two different clubs. But Red Bull Salzburg's academy just won the UEFA Youth League, are the first team outside of Chelsea and Barcelona, I think, to do that. And that means there's going to be a lot of young talent available. And there's already, I think, uh, there was a couple of voices saying that um, RB Leipzig, of course, is looking at these players, not because they are one club, but because they are already used to that playing style. And so it's going to be interesting to see who they're going to bring in from there. And I'm pretty sure they will. Chris mentions experience. I think he's right. But I think also uh, Ralph Rangnick is going to be careful about that one. Because Rangnick uh, made the mistake when he was at Hoffenheim. And they, at the first season of the Bundesliga, where they, you know, became Wintermeister or, the, or Herbstmeister, as you say in Germany. So when they hit on the... And then uh, fell down to seventh place and missed out on the Europa League. And um, one of the criticisms back then again, for him was that the, the side lacked depth in experience. And then he brought in Simonic from Hertha Berlin. And that ended up being a cancer in the dressing room. So he's going to be probably very careful. That said, I think that, that they're going to look to make the squad deeper. There is talk that Davi Selke is going to Werder Bremen. Um, we're going to touch on that in a moment, but that will bring in funds because, you know, we have to remember financial fair play. They will have to bring in funds in order to make big investments. They are allowed to invest about 50 million euros. They spent some on that on a new goalkeeper already. Selling Selkill will, will allow them to bring in the players that they need um, to play in the Champions League level as well. And then if we look at the uh, rest of, well, the the other competitors and, and within the uh, the Bundesliga, I mean... Manu, what, what do you feel should be done to kind of mix it up a little bit so that it's more competitive every year? I mean, do you think the structure of the league needs to change or or what's the answer here? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've toyed around with that. There's an article that I've written a few weeks ago on uh, footballstart.com and it's Bayern's Bundesliga dominance and what the league can do to change that. And I play around with all sorts of things. I, one of the things that um, I bring up is the Mexican model. And, you know, I know Bryce, you're a big fan of Liga MX as well and the fact that they play two half seasons. And we've discussed uh, many times on the Don't Call It Soccer pod how that league is probably the most the league with the most parody in the world and still is one of the best top 10 leagues in the world. Um, I don't think that model would be accepted in Germany, you know, playoffs and all that. And I think the danger of playoffs is too that someone will could finish ahead of Bayern and then Bayern win the playoffs and then we have the same issue again, right? What needs to change is attitude. And this is something that I absolutely despise. Before the beginning of the season, Kicker comes out with a special magazine, the special edition where they feature all the teams, um, have squads and everything and they, they interview all the coaches. And then one of the final questions is who wins the championship and where will your team end up? And every coach will say, well, the championship will go to Bayern and we're going to play for this in this position. When you look at Spain or you look at England, there will be a whole bunch of teams that wouldn't answer it that way. You know, and in England, you would have three or four teams say, well, we want to win the title. In Spain, Atletico Real and Barcelona, they would always answer, we want to win the title. And in Germany, you know, we had times in the past where that was the case too. But for the last 10 years, there has to been this attitude that Bayern is so far ahead of everyone that they almost don't bother. And I think that's a mentality issue because Bayern are not invincible. One of the things that I've criticized and I've criticized a couple of clubs for that quite heavily, including one that we're going to talk about in a bit. Werder Bremen Bayern München used to be an enormous clash for many years. But in the last two years, Werder would go to München and get absolutely slaughtered. And there is 
I understand that Bayern is very good, but this attitude to go there and basically to avoid losing 6-7-0, so, you know, teams go out of the Allianz and say, oh, we well, only lost 2-0, that's a success. I think that's troubling. Um, it's an attitude problem because there's a few smaller teams in Germany that do it quite well. I mean, we, we spoke about Mainz last week, right? And how well they did. And Mainz is one of those teams that go to München and they have, they usually have success there. And I think that's an, that's an attitude thing. They, they're not going to be playing for the championship. They're not, just not that club, but at least they still go into every game trying to win it. And I think that needs, that is something that needs to change. We can't have the guys from Borussia Dortmund say before the season, well, we want to win and we want to finish in a Champions League spot. You know, they're not Arsenal. They are a championship winning team. They're supposed to be a championship winning team. And yes, we can exonerate them for this season, but we can't have them say that next year. Oh, we just want to finish in the top four. No, that's not good enough. I'm sorry. And the same is true for the likes of, you know, Schalke, Borussia Mönchengladbach, all these teams. They should all have an aim to win the championship. And even if it's slightly unrealistic, it sets up a completely different attitude around the dressing room. When you say before the end of before the season starts, it's like our goal is to finish the league in the highest possible position, and the highest possible position is first. Chris, what about you? Do you think it's just a an, an attitude thing, like Manu said, or what? What do you feel needs to be done about the league and the uh, competitiveness? Most leagues go through a period of dominance. At one point, you look to the English Premier League was dominated by Manchester United for many years. And there was almost a an attitude of, well, we'll just write those two games off a year because they're going to win that. And then we'll see what we do after that. I don't know if all teams are doing it, but I, I do think a few of them look at the fixture list and go, right, we've got 34 games. Well, actually, we've got 32 because we're going to get battered home and away by Bayern Munich. So outside of that, we'll, we'll see where we may fall. So there's that. Barcelona had a dominance in La Liga, but Real Madrid have had a dominance in La Liga. It goes through uh, ifs and buts and pushes and starts. And Bayern have had total dominance for the last five seasons now. And maybe we'll be looking at slightly different this time next year with their aging squad and the teams below them, especially Leipzig, Hoffenheim and Dortmund, I think can really, really push them next year. And I'll expect Gladbach, Schalke, Bayer Leverkusen, who we'll, we will expect will change their manager again over the closed season. Wolfsburg, if they survive the drop, maybe they can all challenge. And, and we're looking at, instead of having three teams behind them, all of a sudden they've got seven or eight that can really push it on. And that's what it's taken in some of the other leagues, especially in England, where the TV money has sort of leveled the playing field a bit now. And you've got the smaller teams who are able to compete on a financial level with the big boys. And, and that makes their fixtures against them a lot more interesting. And I don't know. I don't think the Bundesliga is in that bad a state, really. We've seen so many games this season where, you know, we've tried to call it and, and we haven't because the shocks have come thick and fast and teams are expected to win one week. Um, you expect them to do something the week after and they don't. And it is the attitude. I think it's the attitude personally, because I, I don't know how some of these teams go out um, and and turn others over and then almost roll over inside the Allianz Arena. So it, maybe next season with Lam gone and Alonso gone, maybe teams will go, actually, there's a chink in their armor here and we can we can get to it. And uh, Ribéry and Robin are a little bit older, a little bit slower. Although going by Iron Robin's performances, the back end of this season, you know, as Manu said, he looks like a lad in his mid-20s. So it's going to be difficult. But I do honestly think that next season will be a completely different season. I don't think Bayern Munich will have it all their own way. I think they'll be pushed a lot harder like we thought they'd be. So I don't think it's time to be disappointed. I think it's time to say that actually we're on 
the turning point now. And we mentioned it a little bit earlier that we thought that Bayern would probably have gone on and won the Champions League, uh, different circumstances. I think now the likes of Leipzig, I really do think they're an emerging force. And Dortmund with their youth and Hoffenheim with Nagelsmann, and I would expect, as I've said, the teams behind them, the traditional bigger sides that are in the bottom half of the table to have a different season next year without European distractions and really push on. I think we could have a really, really close league next season. So I, I'm not too worried about the Bayern dominance. Uh, it's just peaks and troughs for all leagues. And I think we're just about to come to the top of the Bayern peak. I can't see them winning six in a row. If that happens, you know, feel free to uh, tear me apart this time next year. But I uh, I think we're on a new horizon, especially with Leipzig and Hoffenheim. Yeah, well, here's hoping uh, somebody else can really push them next year. I think it would only be a healthy thing for the league if somebody else could uh, prevent them from getting a sixth one on the bounce. But we're going to look further down the table now. And a team that's really, uh, well, since Christmas have been sensational, really. And they won again uh, is Werder Bremen. They they just seem to be getting better every week. Uh, Manu, what exactly has happened here? They've got 45 points. And they've moved up to sixth place, which was unthinkable um, earlier in the season. But what exactly has happened, Werder Bremen? It's a very good question. Um, I have the... Hinrundentabelle in the Rückrundentabelle, so the first half of the season table and the second half of the season table in front of me. And uh, they were 15th with 16 points after the Hinrunde. Um, so three points away from a relegation spot. And then when you look at the 14, the 14 games played since uh, the winter break, they have won nine, drawn two, lost three. And with 29 points, only have two points less than Bayern München have in the same period and two points more than Borussia Dortmund have in the same period. If this was a full season, we would be talking about a title challenger because that title challenger would be Werder Bremen, which is remarkable. And I think that that turnaround is maybe one of the most impressive things I've seen. We're basically talking about a side that could be finishing fifth and go straight to the Europa League group stage at this point. When you, when you think about the work that Alexander Nuri has done with the side, the, the turnaround that he has managed with a side too. And this is something that we mentioned kind of a little bit last year, last week is the fact that they had, um, a lot of rotation in their squad because of all the injuries that they have been suffering. But yet he's always been able to, to rotate and he was even able to keep, uh, Gnabry out of this, the squad, right? Because Gnabry was, of course, the player of, he was Bremen's player, but you know, after an injury, they were gelling so well that he was, uh, he's now trying to find ways to bring him slowly back under the squad. And he's just, everything he's touching is turning into gold. And I think one of the reasons that's really helping them too is Max Kruse has been absolutely on fire. I tweeted out this, um, image yesterday on uh, my Twitter account. At that point, he had only scored one. He added in a second one. He's now together with Lionel Messi, the the top goal scorer in Europe in the month of April with eight goals scored um, ahead of Lewandowski. And that's, I think, you know, that shows you a lot. And we were talking about the lack of, of forward options for the German national team. Well, Max Kruse has certainly gotten himself into a position where he can, where we can now say, well, look, there's one. He's been very good. And despite the fact that he's often criticized for his lack of discipline and the lack of uh, training attitude, he's been amazing, right, Chris? He may be even the player of the month of April in all of Europe. 
I would definitely go along with that. And I just can't believe where they've come from. And I just can't believe that they're sitting in, in six at the moment. You're looking at a side who lost the first four games on the bounce, conceded 14 goals and only scored three. Changed their manager, obviously, but then went on a, a mini resurgence, but then again lost four on the bounce. And it just seems that since February, since mid-February, something has just clicked and they've gone. They, they sort of changed their formation a bit. They went three at the back, then five at the back, then went to four, two, three, one, and then sort to hit a sort of a four, four, two and got a little bit of success with it. And then they've gone to this three at the back now, which has worked well for them. And you've got to go all the way back to match day 20, the 11th of February, the last time they got beat. So whatever they've done inside that, that, that changing room, whatever they've done on the training field has, has worked a lot. And we've seen across Europe, how well the three at the back has, has gone for teams and, they're another side that has has tuned into that and it's paid dividends for them. Uh, looking at their results, once they've gone to three at the back, they've <laughs> they've really flown. And the, the games they've got, you could see they're winnable. Um, Cologne, I can see them doing well there. And then they're playing um, Hoffenheim and Dortmund, who you would expect are um, just playing the season out, both with Champions League football guaranteed. I think by the time they get to play on uh, match day 33, we will probably know in which order Dortmund and Hoffenheim sit. They could also have a big say in who goes straight into the group stages playing those two teams last. I can see them maybe picking up six out of the last nine points that are remaining. As long as, um, from my point of view, they don't pick it up on match day 34 when I'll be in Dortmund. So that's the only time I don't want to see him picking up Bryce. Yeah, quite phenomenal, really. They're they're now on a ten game unbeaten run. That's eight wins and two draws. Quite phenomenal, really. And Manu, do you see them holding on to Serge Gnabry? We we spoke earlier uh, in the season about where Serge Gnabry would end up uh, in the summer. He'd possibly go to another club. Well, in fact, I think all of us thought he definitely would go to another club. Do you do you see him now staying? I think it's 50-50. I say that because he made the switch to, to Werder Bremen, you know, wanting to get first, first team minutes and he's getting them. And he's, he will be, a, you know, slotted back and end up starting 11 pretty quickly just because of the amount of talent he has. I think Werder reaching the Europa League could help them. Now there is rumors linking him now to Borussia Dortmund and, and Wolfsburg, uh, Hoffenheim, sorry. And, um, those are two teams that are likely going to play in Champions League next season, right? And that's Champions League football is a big draw. And the amount of money it will take them, because he's an exit clause that's worth 8 million euros, and they're trying to buy buy that exit clause from him. There's uh, business people in Bremen that are trying to invest money into the team. And with that money, they, they're wanting to buy off his exit clause. Now, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to do it, um, I think it really depends what he wants, what he wants in his career, whether he wants to play first team minutes on a regular basis. I think it's um, it's going to be a 50-50 chance for them. Uh, I think also it will depend on who they're going to bring in. There's talk that Davi Selke is going to return from Leipzig where he's not that happy to Bremen, which would probably be a good move for him because he needs, he needs to play at his age. He's another one of those potential forwards that we have in Germany that really need to reach that next level. And they can, he can only reach that next level by playing regular minutes in a team that can play both in Europe and the Bundesliga. So maybe if they bring him in, uh, they know each other, of course, from the Olympic team. Uh, they reached, they won the silver medal together. 
So maybe that could help, but I think it's, it's really 50 50. If personally, I think the Dortmund rumor don't think much of that. Dortmund have so many players on that position. Although if you can get Gnabry for 8 million, be hard to say no to that, wouldn't it, Chris? But, uh, I think Hoffenheim with the money that they have from the Silke transfer, Sula transfer, they could easily trigger that 8 million euro clause and it would probably be a good team for him as well. Yeah, I was just about to say, which side uh, of the rumored teams do you think would be the best fit for him? Well, Leipzig is another one. There's also that Leipzig, Leipzig, Dortmund, um, and Hoffenheim are the three rumored teams. And I think that, I think he would be a great player at Dortmund too. But there's so many options on his position. The, I think the one thing that could maybe speak for him, Gnabry could play is, uh, they could turn Gnabry into a striker, an all in all striker, right? Chris, like they did with Aubameyang. That could be a fit, but Leipzig, they will be, we just talked about players and depth that they need to bring in. Of course, they'll be looking at him. He would be a great fit there too, especially if Selke leaves. And then, uh, Hoffenheim. Yeah, of course. I think he would be doing well in all, all three of these teams are good, good destinations for him. And I also think, that staying in Bremen would probably be a smart decision as well. So he has, he's in a lucky position that he can't really do too much wrong. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see in the summer where he ends up. Or maybe he won't go anywhere, right? Eh? Uh, but we're going to move down the table once again. We're going to look more at the relegation battle now, which is uh, always entertaining. Anyway, the Bundesliga always throws us um, a bit of entertainment each week. And, well, uh, we'll get it out of the way. Um but will Darmstadt stay up, Chris? <laughs> I um, had a conversation with someone on Twitter about this who said they're going big guns. And football's such a cruel game. I could see them maybe getting up to 16th and then losing in the playoffs. That's how cruel football can be sometimes. Oh, um, that'd be horrible. It would be horrible, wouldn't it? But it's been an achievement for them. I'm going to say no. I think we're looking at Ingolstadt and Darmstadt will go down. And Frankfurt, I would say now, are safe. Uh, they've hit that 41-point stage. Uh, Leverkusen below them uh, in 12th are on 36. And then uh, Augsburg, big winners, big, big winners this match day into 13th on 35. And Mainz, Wolfsburg and Hamburg all locked on 33. I'm going to say, I'm going to put my cards on the table here, Bryce. I think by Leverkusen is safe. I think that 16th place is Augsburg, Mainz, Wolfsburg and Hamburg. And out of those four I have no idea who's going to be in that um, relegation playoff because they're all Manu talked the other the other uh, week about a snail's race for the Champions League this is a snail's race for safety nobody looks or plays like they want to be safe at the moment it's a hard one to call and Hamburg we've spoke about a lot because of their history it'd be nice to see them stay and um, cement their Bundesliga place again so their clock can roll on to 51 years but Wolfsburg are a big side. Mainz I've been to myself. Uh, it's a very, very nice stadium. Augsburg, I know people who went there last season for the Europa League tie said it was a lovely place. So from a personal area, I wouldn't want to see any of those teams go down. But one of them, um, or maybe they don't, they've got to win the playoff, haven't they? So it's who's going to get into that dreaded playoff slot. And out of the four teams I mentioned, um, Augsburg, Mainz, Wolfsburg and Hamburg, I do not know who it's going to be. I can't see, though, um, Bryce, Ingolstadt and Darmstadt escaping. I think they've left it too little too late. So I think they'll be happy that Bayern uh, won the uh, 
won the championship this week because uh, Darmstadt are going to play them next week. So if they're ever going to take points off them, it might be them. But we'll wait and see if that. Well, I don't know, Bryce. They're going to get their um, they're going to get the trophy presented to them, aren't they? They oughtn't to do that after a defeat. I think Darmstadt will get hammered next week. You could be right. Let's see what happens. It depends like, on um, the amount of vice bearded Bayern players drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Remember, yeah, they have Manu, nothing left to play for. Manu, you said before, uh, I believe that once Bayern win the title, they're they're always known for you know, really taking their foot off. I mean, yeah. do you see them doing it on this occasion? Yeah, I, I think Darmstadt will win this game. <laughs> um, Bayern, we've seen it so many times, and yeah, I think that's that's basically going to be a throwaway game because they're going to party before this game, during the game, and after the game. <laughs> um, we're going to have uh, pictures of Bayern players half drunk in uh, convertibles driving through downtown Munich and uh, the 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 vice beer, big vice beer glasses out and them showered and uh, I, I you know you want to see teams play till the very end but there is no Pokal left for them there's no Champions League left for them and then you have to play Darmstadt and you have zero motivation all you want is to get to the summer and then the summer is basically going to be off for a lot of these guys too because of the Confed Cup so the tension is gone. Uh, I, I can, I can see this turning into a friendly almost, which would probably suit Darmstadt just warm. But, um, I'm not sure, Chris, with Leverkusen, if you're right about that one. I thought that was the worst performance I've seen over 45 minutes since I seen the semifinals for between Brazil and Germany. I don't know what Leverkusen were doing those first 17 minutes. Football was not one of them. I, I I haven't seen anything like that from a professional team in a long time. I think uh, they're dreadful under oh. um, under Typhoon Cocot. They they are dreadful, horrible, like, yeah. a lot worse than they were under Schmidt. And you know how much yeah. Schmidt we gave him about that. But they're even worse now. So I thought you know this would be it. They will be just dropping down. And then I first saw Wolfsburg. And I've been taught that you can do apparently worse than what Leverkusen did on Friday. I saw Hamburg in the first half against Augsburg and I was taught that, that you could top that even. <laughs> and They were so bad. So those would be my three candidates to go down, actually. Hamburg, Leverkusen and Wolfsburg. And I, I really throw Leverkusen in that because apparently they haven't learned from the Schmidt fiasco and they're hanging on to Korkut. I personally thought you couldn't do any worse than what Schmidt did, but apparently it's possible Congrats, Koko. That's that's quite something to achieve. He did it. It's hard because like I can see Mainz and Augsburg, and I hate saying this, but I can see Augsburg actually pulling away now because they they have been in this battle mode for a long time. So it will be one of those three big teams, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was Leverkusen. I mean, a lot will depend really on the next match day how they get on yeah. away in uh, Audi Sport Park against Ingolstadt. If they lose that. Then I will, I will, I will take it back and say maybe they've been dragged straight back into that relegation fight. That is the worst opponent they can have at this stage, because Ingolstadt still believe, right? And Leverkusen are in this weird in between stage where they think that they're more or less safe, but they're not. I don't know. I have a really bad feeling about Leverkusen. Well, also uh, next weekend we've got Hamburg. We'll be at home to Mainz. I mean, that's going to be a massive. Yeah, massive six pointer as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely want to watch. Yeah, I just hope that Hamburg are a little bit more entertaining than what they were uh, today. They were 
they offered nothing. They offered absolutely nothing. I mean, with Hamburg, I mean, they've they've struggled for a few years now, Manu. I mean, what exactly is happening there? Why, why are they so bad? I always like to compare them to one of those big banks, you know, too big to fail. These massive banks that are getting propped up by subsidies and government money, but really should be going under. That's Hamburg. Um, Hamburg is being propped up by oligarch is the wrong word. A rich billionaire from the area, uh, Kühne. It allows them to be bad on a consistent basis and they always kind of escape relegation. But it also means that, um, they, because of the money that they have, they have made some really bad decisions on the transfer market. Um, Halilovic, for example, bringing him in probably goes down as one of the dumbest ideas made in recent Bundesliga history. Firing Labadia for transfer decisions that he didn't make was idiotic as well. I I think bringing in Gistel was probably one of the smarter decisions. Same with Pochhagen. But at that point, the team, the squad was set, right? They were trying to fix holes and fill holes. And I think it's that big bang mentality almost, you know, we're too big to fail and we're always going to be bailed out. And the, the mistakes we're making, we can fix because some rich billionaire will just give us a bunch of money and we can just throw it on a transfer market without actually coming up with structural ideas how to fix the team long term and i'm pretty sure they will be safe again this year and uh, if their mentality doesn't change because hamburg is a city like munich and in reality hamburg should be producing a team like bayern and that's where they were in the 80s Somewhere along the way, they have um, not quite realized what it takes to make smart business decisions. Maybe it's a culture up there. Maybe it's a, a lack of culture of success, but can't always be the dino, the dinosaur of the league and have a clock running in your stadium. If you don't win titles, it doesn't mean that you're a big club. Yeah, they've definitely got, got to change something there because it's just been a bit of a disaster the last few years, hasn't it? But... Well, once again, we're going to drop down, but this time the Bundesliga 2 entertaining for us. This, this league's been fantastic for entertainment this year as well, hasn't it? Uh, I mean, last week we obviously spoke about uh, a big game uh, on the Monday night, Stuttgart versus uh, Union Berlin. I tuned into this and I must say Stuttgart looked fantastic against Berlin. Uh, did either of you guys catch the game as well? Yes, and you'll remember that I said quite convincingly that Stuttgart would win. Uh, it's a little bit hazy that, to be honest. I no, I did actually say, say that Union was Berlin that would batter them. No, I said, <laughs> I said Union Berlin would beat Stuttgart quite easily to drag themselves back in to the automatic race, Bryce, and they got beat 3-1, so what do I know? Yeah, well, exactly. I did remember that, but I just didn't want to... I wanted it to come from you, to be honest. Uh, I must say, I thought Stuttgart were, were brilliant. How, how did you think they were, Chris? Yeah, they were. They were excellent, and... They are a big club, aren't they? They're a, they're a Bundesliga club in the second Bundesliga. And I can't wait. I'm going to say this with bated breath, but I can't wait to see them next year again. Uh, I was lucky enough to watch them the uh, last season um, against uh, Mainz, where they were really unlucky not to win there. Um, so it'll be nice to see them back in the Bundesliga. I think they're a great club with a great, passionate fan base. And yeah, they played really, really well. And, and deservedly, they are where they are in the table at the moment. Manu, it's only going to be a good thing for the Bundesliga to get uh, a side like uh, Stuttgart back in the division, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Th- that's where they belong. The city of Stuttgart, its fans, the club, they need to be in the Bundesliga. And alone the stadium and the, the crowds that they bring to the league is, is going to 
going to be massive for the league. And I think the other thing that you have to remember is that they're one of the biggest teams when it comes to producing talent for, for the German national team. So I think having that back in the league will be, will be fun as well. And I can see them make an instant impact. They're not going to be a side playing against uh, relegation all season next season. They're going to be right in the thick of things up uh, in, the, in the top half of the table, I'm sure. Yeah, it's going to be great to have them back. I think they, they managed also to come back from 2-0 down on Saturday to beat Nuremberg. So that just shows uh, what grit and determination I've got in that side as well. Because I messaged you, Chris, didn't I? And I said I couldn't believe that they could possibly be 2-0 down. Um, but I spoke too soon. Uh, that leaves them top uh, on 63 points. We've got Bramsway on 60, below Hanover at 60, and Union Berlin on 57. So it's as close as ever. Chris, who who do you see at this stage possibly going up with them? Oh, it's hard, isn't it? Um, it? It's so fluid. Union Berlin maybe have dropped themselves out of it, but with um, three match days left, it can it can still be so unpredictable. And Stuttgart are in a fantastic place now, and Bryce Feiger Hanover are going to battle it out. It's it's a hard one to call because we've seen both of those sides um, spew away easy chances to pull out and maybe I'd say Hanover could be on 69 points now but they've thrown away a couple of games in in the past few weeks where you wouldn't have expected them to do that and um, Brownspike were a drop way out of contention and all of a sudden they're back into second so well although Union Berlin are on 57 and they're dropping behind now it's just that one match day isn't it it can all change in one match day so who can I see going up with them I'm going to say Hanover and, and just because of the size of the team and the supporters and their history, I, I think they've maybe got what it takes in the tank just to push on. And who's going to be in the playoff then? That's another difficult one to, to judge, isn't it? But whoever it is in that playoff will be given probably, I would say, someone like Hamburg, the the match of their lives. I'm sure Mano's going to talk about the uh, playoff down the other end of this table in a minute, but it's going to be interesting to see who gets that second place spot. And it is so difficult to call. And like with the relegation um, zone in the Bundesliga, it's hard to see who's going to play in that 16th versus third game, but that is going to be a brilliant game to watch as well. And I'm really looking forward to the end of this um, running and and who we've got. So obviously we're going to go and watch Union Berlin against Heidenheim, who are, you know, they're all right. They're lamented there in seventh place. So that's going to be a decent fixture for us to watch and, uh, and another hurdle for Union Berlin to try and get over yeah, and on that day also um, taking place is going to be Hanover versus Stuttgart as well, which could be a, a battle for first place or just promotion uh, in general. That, that'll that be another rather entertaining one. Uh, Manu, can, can we ask you um, just uh, what is the ratio over the years you're with the playoff? How often does a team come up or is it always in the team that's in the higher divisions? It always seems that they can pull you know, a, a victory out of it and stay in the league. Uh, it's been very even um, from what I remember, especially when it was first brought in in the Bundesliga. I remember that the Bundesliga two teams usually had a slight advantage. That's changed in recent years uh, that the the top side usually was the one that stayed in. I think the reason why, you know, it, it really depends on how you get to the promotion playoff race. I think if you drop into that third space in, in the last minute, 
be, you were second right before that, then it's a bit of a disappointment and it can really hurt you in the race. But if you had to battle really hard and you were on an up and uh, you get there on, you know, last second kind of finish and, and you finish third, you have a lot of euphoria, right? And uh, if a team drops into that uh, 16th place in the last minute in the Bundesliga, then they are the team that, you know, has the, the most disappointed. It, so there's a lot of psychology at play. I think, you know, we had cases in, in Bundesliga, in the Bundesliga where finishing 16th, uh, Eintracht Frankfurt last season, for example, comes to mind, was a big success because they were basically, everyone expected to go them, them go down straight. And, uh, they ended up finishing 16th and, you know, they, they were given a lifeline that they took it over Nuremberg uh, in a very tight game. And uh, Nuremberg, of course, they dropped down into that third place into the last minute. And for them, getting in that third place was a disappointment. So, you know, they, Frankfurt had the psychological edge. So really, I think it really this depends on who's, who's getting that spot. Let's say Ingolstadt last minute managed that 16th spot. I think that they will have a huge psychological advantage because, you know, they, they had to battle very hard to get there. But if it's say Bayer Leverkusen last second drops into the 16th spot, that's going to hurt them massively. And that can, you know, psychology over two legs can make a big difference in a playoff like that. And one of the teams that could be in that playoff position was uh, Bramsai. How did they get on Manu this weekend? Yeah, no, let's don't talk about that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, I had a very early shift, of course, with the, the Bundesliga this morning and, um, which meant I had, I was able to follow this. So I had to follow it. Say had. We really needed those three points. And so do Braunschweig. And you could tell, I think. And unfortunately, the quality, Braunschweig's quality was just better. And uh, they got the goal and we didn't. It's great for Braunschweig because they're now in a good position. I had, you know, one goal ahead of of Hannover in, in the promotion race. But it leaves us in a massive pickle because we basically need to get four to six points out of the last two games. The next game is against Dynamo Dresden, of course, which is not an easy place to go to. Um, although I'm optimistic because Dresden has nothing left to play and we do, which, you know, brings us back to psychology. But yeah, it's, um, it was, was not an easy match day for an 1860 fan or all the 1860 fans out there. And I know there's a lot. So one of the comments I saw today in one of the 1860 forums was, uh, Mundabwischen shake it off and keep going. And that's what they will have to do now. Yeah, it's really hotting up at the other end of the table. So, well, as we mentioned last week, um, it's, it's as close as ever. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if 1860 can uh, pull away uh, from that. Uh, thankfully, the other teams around them uh, didn't pick up many points as well this week. Uh, guys, uh, as always, we pick our fixtures to highlight next week. Chris, let's just um, let's go to you first for Bundesliga 2. What, what game would you like to uh, suggest? I'm going to go for the Monday night game, uh, Monday the 8th of May. Bryce um, Braunschweig against uh, Union Berlin. That's got a massive connotation on it, hasn't it? Who is going to either get themselves into a automatic space or who's going to pull themselves back into contention? So that's what I'm going for, the Monday night game, Ethan May. Yeah, very good choice. That's going to be a massive game, isn't it? Manu, what game are you going to highlight for us? Oh, wow. Yeah, you basically took my uh, sandwich there, Chris. But I'll go for, um, <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Um, obviously, I'm going to watch Dresden against 1860 for all the obvious reasons. But uh, another game that I'm going to keep a very close eye on is going to be Stuttgart against Aue. Because if Stuttgart win this game when we beat Dresden, then uh, Aue is thrown right back into that mix. And uh, Aue have a worse goal differential than we do. So 
um, other than watching my game, my team, as I always do, I will keep a very close eye on Stuttgart. Our I think the one I'll highlight will be Kaiser Slotten at home to St. Pauli. Both teams have managed to pull away from the relegation battle in the last two weeks with uh, wins. But whoever loses that one could find themselves back in the thick of it again. So we'll go to Bundesliga and we'll highlight uh, one for next week as well. But we'll we'll go to Manu first. What, what are you going to highlight in the uh, top division? Oh, <laughs> that's a very good question because there's a lot of good games going on as always. And I think... The one that I'm going to pick is the, the Friday night game between um, Köln and Bremen. I know which game Chris is going to pick, and it's going to be a very good choice as well. But I want to see whether Bremen can push on and secure that Euro- Europa League spot and maybe even finish fifth and go great, yeah, straight to the group stage. And well, Chris, are you going to surprise us? I don't think you are. Uh, no, no, <laughs> unvo- no, I'm not. Unfortunately, I'm not going to surprise you at all. There's a massive game, isn't there, for who is going to get that automatic final Champions League group place. And this will go a long way to deciding it. And that's Saturday afternoon, um, half past two UK, 15.30 in Germany. That's Dortmund against Hoffenheim at um, Signal Iduna Park, which is going to be one of the best games of the entire season. So stand by for it to be a nil-nil. <laughs> yeah, I believe that last week uh, we highlighted that uh, yeah, Dortmund, Cologne, that definitely the two stri- strikers playing would definitely score a uh, bag a few and it would be entertaining. And that ended up nil-nil. So uh, yeah, you could be right on that one. The one I'm going to highlight is uh, Bayern Munich taking on uh, Darmstadt. Come on, Darmstadt. Let's let's have a bit of a run. Let's see um, how close they can, they can go to staying up or even if they can uh, do the unthinkable. Um, apart from that, I think uh, that more or less covers it for this week. Uh, we will be back, um, as always, uh, next week to cover plenty. But uh, Manu, what have you got to plug this week or where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, people can uh, follow me on Twitter. I recently changed my handle. It's just at Manuel Veth now. Uh, makes it easier for everyone to spell and reflects the fact that I'm not just uh, post-Soviet football anymore because, you know, over at the Football Ground Network, we pretty much cover everything nowadays. And uh, one of the big things that uh, we're going to cover this week, of course, is the the Champions League, the semifinals and uh, the Europa League semifinals. And I believe, Chris, you are going to be involved in that as well. Yeah, we'll be. I'll be um, previewing one of the games and also one of the Europa League games. And um, yeah, I'll be definitely involved in that. Very good. And for myself, um, I've started doing a little bit of vlogging uh, for Football Grad. Uh, Football Grad Live is the uh, Twitter feed on uh, Liga MX, uh, which has been a rather interesting. There's a bit of a relegation battle and a playoff battle going on there. So uh, maybe tune into that. Check that out. Apart from that, I think that more or less does it. We're edging closer and closer to our time in Germany in two weeks. I'm almost counting down the days now. We'll obviously be back next week before that. Okay, well, thanks for tuning in, and I'll be the same. Ende in Sicht. Ja.